You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The trade deadline has passed. The Kings don't look too different, but the NHL certainly does. How are you tonight, my good friend Vardy? I am fantastico. I am wow. here. That's right. I'm, uh, I'm packing my bags for Columbus. Yes, we did. Um, we got traded. That's we got show. traded. It, we were blindsided, but uh, we're <laughs> excited for the uh, new opportunity to be with our new team. And uh, yeah, we look forward to John Tortorella ripping us a new one. Yeah, we were on Twitter. We joked that even we, oh, we joked? Were, were traded. Yes, we are. We're still property of the L.A. Kings. Man, sorry, I, man. We are not the uh, cannon men. We are not. I was I was looking forward to being on a playoff bubble team. I'll tell you, it would be a hell of a thing to talk about that team right now. If we were traded, it would be a nice time to be traded to the Seriously? Blue Jackets because they apparently went out and decided to acquire anyone that has a pulse except us. Except us. They tried. Commissioner blocked the trade. Thanks, Commissioner. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, okay, so trade deadline, this is the trade deadline episode post-mortem i suppose and we are still property of the la Kings, so that's how we're going to start mm-hmm. and a lot of other people are property of the la kings a lot of people that uh we didn't think necessarily would be property or at least some people didn't necessarily think um we were a bit more skeptical or realistic i suppose if you want to if you want to term it that way um so the names that were moved, obviously, we already knew about Muzzin prior to our last episode. Yep. Uh, the more obvious candidates to move that I think everyone had kind of pegged throughout the year, Nate Thompson UFA. Uh, was moved. Sorry? UFA? UFA, right, exactly. UFA to be Nate Thompson, excellent locker room guy, face-offs, and... Did I mention he was an excellent locker room guy? Did I mention that part? I think you have to mention that he was Willie Desjardins' favorite player. Oh, I mean, that that, that goes without saying. I think that's, yeah. you know, stealth top six forward Nate Thompson. Right. Um, he was traded to Montreal for a fourth-round pick, but he was traded with a package with a fifth-round pick, which ultimately I think moves us up. I think you pointed this out, a rough 10 spots, basically. So, you know— there's that, which is nice, I guess. Yep. Um, so good luck to Nate in his ventures in the future. Um, hopefully he brings Montreal to the promised land the way he did us. Um, and then Carl Hagelin obviously was the other um, trade candidate. And he was moved to Washington for a third round pick and a 2020 conditional sixth round pick. So if you're going to you're going to trace the lineage of that trade all the way back to how Hagelin ended up being a king. Ultimately, you're looking at uh, Tanner Pearson for a third-round pick and a conditional sixth-round pick, which really just goes to show you how far Tanner Pearson's career has fallen in one season's time, roughly. Mm. Tough to to say. I I usually— I'm usually not a fan of doing that. I'm usually not a fan of being like replaced. I know it's part of. I know. I'm not. It's part of it. It's part of being a fan. It's part of Twitter. Everyone's like, hey, you know, right. look at it. like they'll they'll list six players and they'll be like, these are the people that moved out of this team in the last right, five right. years. Right, right. I mean, that's 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 and, fine. But if you're going to do trade tree five years down the line, right, that's right, a little right. weird. But this, I think within the same more, season, yeah, this is palatable to do that. I get it. Um, 
our thing at the time about Pearson and Hagelin was like we could have gotten we felt the Kings could have gotten maybe a second round pick maybe um I guess in the end it's a third round pick. I thought Hagelin might get a second round pick to be honest with you. Not that he performed well or anything like that. He was hurt most of the time, but for some reason Carl Hagelin at the deadline being traded Catnip. is like Catnip money in the bank. So I thought someone would give us uh, give the Kings a second, but no, look, if you're upset about this, let it go. Like it's not yeah. that important. The Pearson trade, I understand if you didn't want to see him move at the time and the thing that only thing I could say anyone has the right to be upset about is that the Kings went for essentially a lateral move thinking they could still make the playoffs at the time. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Even that though, you could argue that they felt they could and why wouldn't they, right? They, the roster was roughly the same. Ilya Kovalchuk was added. No reason not to think they couldn't have made a push. They're notoriously slow starters in the last few years. Anyway, so no big deal. I'm not really upset either way. Fine. We'll get a third. We'll make the best of it. Trust our scouts and all that. And on, and if I may, just looking to where Tanner Pearson is now, he was he also was traded at the deadline, meaning he's been traded twice in one season, and he was traded to the Canucks for, for Eric Gumbradson, who is objectively an awful defenseman. And so, relatively speaking – to if you want to if you want to play trade tree the kings came up ahead compared to what pittsburgh ended up giving up to get a terrible terrible defenseman i think if you want to track that all the way down to its roots right it's it's tough to do but yeah and even good branson himself at the time was a prized piece not too long ago he's been traded a couple of times now um he was on the panthers what was that trade i think it was let's see good branson and a fifth to vancouver for jared mccann and a second and a fourth Mm -hmm. but jared mccann is a decent prospect and jared mccann is now in pittsburgh yes he's he's only 22 so (laughs) jim brother how is carl hagelin not back in pittsburgh (laughs) Uh, my money was on Pittsburgh's thing getting close, him back. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, because there was <laughs> reports that uh, the Penguins tried to get him back, but since they retained salary on him, they were not allowed to get him for, I believe, a certain amount of time. Right. Either it's within the same season or one year. I can't right. remember. But that's just Jim Rutherford right there in a <laughs> nutshell. That's who that man is. <laughs> Give me guys who worked before. They will work again. Pearson's now on the coast right right on top mm-hmm. kings will see him a couple of times a year moving forward unless he gets traded again which might happen yeah probably will the last trade of course oscar fattenberg a deadline deal a legitimate deadline deal mm-hmm. goes to the calgary flames for i believe it's a conditional fourth round pick mm-hmm. is that correct I think uh, so, yes. I'm and the condition the, being that if the Flames make the conference finals and Fattenberg plays, 50%, plays yeah. in over 50% of the games. Otherwise, so it's, it's, a fifth it's a fifth round. Outright, and it becomes a fourth if he, if he hits that condition. So this was interesting because he wasn't really – I don't think he was anyone on anyone's trade list or anything in terms of mm-hmm. players you think would go, players that it would be targeted. This is a guy the Kings signed for free. Mm-hmm. And let's say hypothetically they turned him into a fourth round pick. 
that's fine. That's fine. I saw a lot of people like really upset about this trade, and I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Questioning like who the Kings are going to play on defense now. Like, what are the Kings going to do on the back end? And my first thought was, really, this is the trade that made you wonder what the Kings' defense is going to look like with how borderline awful it's been all season long? I mean, Jake Muzzin gets traded. That was right there, you know, like, all right, this is not right. going to be fun moving forward. Right. So Oscar Fanberg doesn't move the needle in, in any respect. I don't think he's going to play 50% of the Flames' playoffs games. That's a, Last I checked, that's a pretty deep defense they have over mm-hmm. there. Uh, he might rotate it now, but that's a tough rotation to crack permanently. So, but I think I think it's also the type of rotation that Oscar Fantenberg actually can be very useful in. I mean, you we we talked about this when he when he got moved. You said your lasting memory of him will be uh, James Neal turnstiling him. Yep. And so, and, and I think that's fair. Although, granted, he's been, I think, a lot better this season out of necessity. He's been forced into this role of being a number three, number four defenseman on this, on this uh, thin defensive squad, shall we say? But if you move him to Calgary and he's a five-six D man, even playing fifty percent of the games, I think that's that's a very appropriate role for him. I think he's he's proven that he can be that guy, and. You know, give you a little bit of puck moving ability. Um, he's a good flexibility piece. You know what I mean? He's he kind of I think is establishing himself as a bit like the Carl Hagelin of defense, if you will. You know, you could plug him into a lineup with a deep enough lineup, and he can actually be a good you know bottom pairing D man with a little bit more ability than a bottom pairing D man typically would have. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, look, he's. The best he can do is play five six over there. You know their yeah. their top four is solidified. Yes, with Brody, Giordano, Hamannik, and Hannafin. I don't know much about their other guys like uh, Rasmus Anderson and and these young guys they have. I don't know how much impact they're gonna have. Like Rasmus Anderson's played fifty nine games this season. He's twenty two years old. And I think I think that that's that's exactly why you get. A right, young right. guy like Fantenberg, who maybe has a bit more pro experience, has a little bit of playoff experience last year with the Kings. Granted, we're talking four <laughs> games, but at least like oh my. <laughs> but yeah, I know I'm stretching. I'm really selling him here. <laughs> uh, I get ten percent of his his contract apparently. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's twenty seven. So he's he's in that nice spot where right. he's he should have learned enough by now. Right. And he can yeah, maybe help a bottom pairing. And I think ultimately he was a UFA, right? He was a yes, UFA yes, yes, and yes. Blake hinted that there had been some preliminary discussions. And I think the Kings are are finally wising up to the idea of like, well, if we're going to play this guy 20 minutes a night, you might as well play one of our younger guys who were trying to work into the lineup here every other game, you know, like Matt Roy, Walker, Paul Ledoux. Ledoux. For Paul Christ's sake. <laughs> Never. Come on. How is he going to get better, people? I don't understand it. How, has he really been that bad? That would be my first question. I maintain no. Yeah. Uh, I think we both do. Dennis Bernstein maintains he's been the worst defenseman in King's history. I mean. If you read his tweets. Um, I like Paul Adu. Look, offensively, he's fine. Do I think he has work to do in his own end? Of course. But you could say that about every player who's played on the Kings the last two seasons outside well, how many of maybe pro games does he have he's got like what 80 pro games or something like that in terms of uh, pro being NHL games right his NHL totals are 58 games there you go 
five goals, goals, 11 assists for 16 points, plus three this season. Which is a marvel <laughs> on this team. <laughs> oh, man. To, honestly, he's in the 24 games he's played this season to have two goals is not bad for a defenseman. It's, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think this is the this is a perfect move because you clear up the log jam that you have in that four to six D man position. And granted, they called up Curtis McDermott, who I will fully eat crow. I I said he would never play another game in an LA Kings sweater, and here we are. We all make mistakes, but, buddy. <laughs> apparently, I'm just saying, like this is this is exactly the type of situation you want to create for the rest of the season, where you can bring these three or four guys in and just see exactly what you have going into the off season and the draft. N- not all of them are going to, are going to be here next year. Okay. There's, there's no way that the Kings roll out a bottom, a bottom four D pairing consisting of Walker, Matt Roy, Paul Ledoux and Curtis McDermott and Kale Clegg scratching to make it from the training camp. Like that's, it's just not going to happen. A- so, <laughs> so looking at, uh, just curious, just out of curiosity, I was trying to look at the, the, Defenseman scoring for the Kings this season. Um, the only defenseman on this team who have two goals other than Paul Adu are Dowdy, Muzzin, Martinez, and Fattenberg had two goals. Mm-hmm. Derek Forbert in 61 games has a goal and 10 assists, 11 points, minus 13. 10 of his assists were all on even strength. Obviously, he's not going to play power play Dion Phaneuf in 53 games has a goal and four assists and is a minus 18 crazy yeah crazy how does like I don't know I play Ledoux over Phaneuf I guess that's my that's yeah. my point here I I mean I hear you man I hear you so that's that uh that's that's the Kings trade deadline now the question that immediately comes up is why you know why didn't we make more moves why didn't the Kings make more moves I saw some posters just going completely apeshit saying like why is jeff carter still on this team why is jonathan quick still on this team and the answer to me is pretty simple and i'm sure we've talked about it before especially with quick we went through the entire nhl Mm -hmm. to see if like who needs a goalie number one and we concluded very fast that this is a off-season move without a doubt and there it is i i'm not surprised at all jonathan quick was a move jeff carter not surprised okay he has term he hasn't been playing well he's been injured the kings probably got lowballed plenty of times for carter yesterday or whenever it was monday plenty of times and they said no so what's what's the right thing to do in my opinion what the kings did is hold on to him he has term he's not going anywhere can he be worse than this i don't know but that's a chance I guess the Kings are willing to take. At the very least, they go into the draft with that piece and they can move him. Maybe they move him next deadline. I don't know. Right. So that's that. Uh, who else is left? Trevor Lewis. I think it's the same kind of deal. And maybe we don't know. Maybe Trevor Lewis is a, is a player that the Kings would rather keep to have some veteran leadership. We've always liked Trevor Lewis on this right. show. He's the type of player you win with. I've said this over and over again. You need Trevor Lewis's to win. And it's the same logic with Kyle Clifford. I mean, we we heard all sorts of rumblings about people being interested in him, and and the Kings were just like, you know, we'd rather keep him, truthfully, for what he brings to the team 
in an off ice sense, perhaps, and even even a bit more on an on ice sense this, this year. This season, yeah, this yeah, season like he's been. Why you, you're you're not up against the cap? You're not like what are you looking to get from? Okay, so another third or fourth round pick here and there. Sometimes, a no having a known commodity like that can be more valuable to the team if they're not really bogging down your salary cap or something like that. You know, I, I just. I don't think there's any pressing need to move the Trevor Lewis's and the Kyle Clifford's of, of the world. No, and you know what? Sometimes things like this work in your favor where you keep saying no mm-hmm. and someone wants him bad enough to maybe overpay thinking mm-hmm. like you you value him so much. Right. Again, this is I'm not in the rooms or anything, but I, human logic would tell you that, hey, if, if you keep pressing a team and they keep saying no and you really want him, you might ante it up. Just to get that player. Now we're saying any it up. We're not expecting a first round pick or something insane like that. But maybe you get a better deal for for Lewis's for Clifford's. Kyle Clifford, you know, we're not around the team. People around the team say this guy is not going anywhere. He's as untouchable as a fourth liner can be. Apparently, mm-hmm. I I've always maintained if you can get something good for him, move him. But I only see the on ice product. I only see this player go down the wing for at least before this season and just fire random shots at the goalie and like get punched in the face you know that's it that was him but obviously he is a leader obviously the main word i think i've heard i think uh john hoven always says he was a culture changing kind of player for the kings and i understand how you could get attached to a player like that if you're management especially if you're dead set on keeping that culture which the kings absolutely should be right yes this season is not going well but you cannot lose everything you've done in the last five or six or ten years right. to build yourself up to be one of the, the premier franchises in the NHL, organizationally at least, and then throw that out the window because you had one bad season on there. So I get it. I totally get that. I'm fine with it. Like you said, another fourth rounder, thir- whatever. The Kings are going to have plenty of picks apparently in mm-hmm. this upcoming draft, so we'll be fine. If the scouts do their job like they usually do, mm-hmm. the Kings should come away with one or two gems in, in the late yeah, picks. I, I think we have six picks in the in the first three rounds, I want to say. Maybe more than that. Let me take a quick look here. But yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the number that I saw, um, including uh, Toronto's first rounder for the Muzzin trade, I believe. Which... Yeah, Toronto's. Sorry, sorry. We have five picks in the first three rounds. We have seven picks in the first four rounds. Okay. Okay? So that's good. In case you're wondering what are you going to get third round, fourth round, your starting goaltender who has won a Smythe and two Stanley Cups was a third round pick out of nowhere when no one was looking for a goaltender at the time. So right, right. and it's every year. You could go through right. every draft. There's players right. it's up to your scouts to identify them and to force the issue to pick them. That's the gamble you take. You have to trust your staff and you have to hope they know what they're doing and they utilize your assets the right way. And in this case the assets are the picks the Kings have picked up for like especially the guys like Fanberg where you get for nothing and you move mm-hmm. them. You got Hey man, you gotta take look at that as somewhat of a win. Yeah. No matter what, no matter how you slice it. So we're looking at the draft now, moving forward. There mm-hmm. isn't a whole lot the Kings are have to play for right now. Um, this team, as we saw against Tampa, they're gonna come to play every night. They're gonna come to play. Do we secretly, quietly, not so quietly hope hmm. they lose a few more than they win? Yes, we do because that helps our draft position. But again, you can't convince all these guys to go out there and lay an egg for the betterment of the future of the organization, especially when your coach is fighting for a job, right? Apparently, and 
insists on doing everything in his power to win a game, insists on playing Andre Kopitar 20-something minutes a game. minutes a night. I mean, it's just yeah, whatever, That's man. where we're at. Just Whatever. You know what? Look at the young kids. Enjoy. Yeah. See look, what they look can do. Look at the do. Austin Wagners of the world, you know, putting Scoring it together. With like five minutes of ice time. Getting it done. <laughs> just uh, – yeah. And it, they got a game, fine. I think – Puck's about to drop. In case you're wondering when we're recording this, Puck's about to drop, I think, against Carolina. Yes. Um, you know, we'll, just we'll having keep, fun out there. Keep a little eye on that. Yeah. As just we having, having a good time out there. And maybe, you know, maybe they can play a little loose. They have been now. playing loose. I, I've have. noticed that. They have been playing loose. You have to play loose like that to not get destroyed by Tampa Bay. Right. That's just the reality of the situation. Okay. King's business okay. taken care of. Yes. A lot of talk about Rob Blake now. Uh, mm-hmm. This is kind of, I guess, King's business not taken care of yet, but a lot <laughs> of talk about our general manager on, you know, social media boards, whatever. We have our ear to the ground, as always, the bannermen do. A lot of criticism thrown at Rob Blake for what he's done thus far since taking over the team last summer. My main thing is, like, what people expected because expectations usually dictate how you're going to feel about something right what did people expect out of this general manager given kind of the mess he had to take over with Dean Lombardi and I guess that's I'm not really asking you but I am asking you what do you think were the realistic expectations on this guy when he took over this job I think uh I think last year's results may have set expectations off a little bit. I think Blake himself probably started the year with the idea of let things play out and it's all going to kind of go to, go to the tubes. You know, that was, I remember that kind of being the thing that this is a mulligan year for a lot of these guys with Gabrick and, you know, uh, Brown. And I think, I think the Kings truthfully overachieved compared to what Blake, I think had in mind last year. In hindsight. Absolutely. Yeah. No one was expecting Kopitar to be a hard trophy candidate and have the best season of his life. No one was expecting Brown to have that type of a bounce back season. If you look at some of the individual performances that carried the team, it was well beyond what anyone expected of this team and ended up landing the team in a playoff spot, despite the fact that the second half of the season was average to below average. And I'm being generous when I'm describing it that way. So then come the playoffs and you're kind of forced as a GM to, okay, well, what what am I going to do here? You know what I mean? Like these guys played themselves into a playoff position. I have to do my best to support them. I think he probably approached last year with the idea of before the results actually were around that, you know, he's probably going to move some things at the deadline last year. And because of how things were going, he ended up not doing that. He actually ended up trying to add pieces in the form of FNUF and whatnot. And then of course we all know what happened against Vegas where the bottom completely fell out. And it seems like the bottom has continued to fall out all throughout this season. So I think it just, I think it, I think it went away from how Blake probably envisioned things going. And if anything, it set, it set back his plan for how he wanted to do things initially when he took over. And I think now more so we are seeing him enacting and doing the things that he probably wanted to do about a year ago, but the team overachieved. And so he kind of had to 
you know, play it by ear and, and change up his vision of things. Now you're seeing him coming out and moving these pieces, trying, you know, outright telling other teams in the league who's available. You're hearing all sorts of things that, you know, Jonathan Quick is not expected to be part of this team past the summer. I would, you know, maybe Jeff Carter is or isn't. I don't know. But I think that's that's kind of going more along the lines of what he wants to do. But it, in that same sense, I, I don't understand the pressure for him to have to do this at the trade deadline. You know what I mean? What what difference does it make if he does it now versus he does it in June? That's that's the way I see it. He moved Muzzin, who was your most movable piece, and got a first round pick for it. And I applaud him for that. We even, you know, we, as much as we love Jeff Carter, we even discussed that we weren't even sure if you would get a first round pick. You'd maybe get a second. And I don't know if he would have gotten a second given how he was performing this season. I think Jonathan Quick gets you a first, but you have to trade him at the right time, like we discussed. And so I don't I don't fault him for not moving things when the value was at its lowest or when he felt like he could have gotten more at the draft, because what does it matter to me? What happens the next three or, you know, three months of the regular season come to me September of 2019 and let me see what things have, ha- what, what's happened, you know? Yeah. That's, I, that's, I think that's, that's how I envision things. That's pretty much on the money there. Uh, we've learned now over time that last season was a bit of a facade overall, mm-hmm. because it wasn't even just that it was the fact that, since January of 2018, things have been trending down. Simple right. as that. It hasn't been going well for the Kings, no matter what you, how you slice it, all that stuff. So it's it hasn't been, <laughs> it hasn't been good for a while. Over a year now, it hasn't been good for the Kings. So I I do agree with this. I think Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake, when they came in and said we're trying to make the playoffs, I think that's something they had to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they both probably felt in their mind that at some point things are going to have to change drastically. Because when you move on from a general manager and a coach like that, it's already such a big change. Mm-hmm. You as a general manager, you don't just pick up, especially if you know you're a long-term general manager. You don't just pick up and continue what someone else did. You have a vision. You have an idea of what your team wants to look like. Your fingerprints need to be on that team. At some point, you need to build the team you believe in. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, things are going to have to change drastically for that to happen. So I agree with you. It's this is part of the process, maybe a year too late because of the team's performance. Right. Um, you could say, well, then why Kovalchuk? Well, it's the same reason. It's the same reason they didn't sell anyone off last year because the team showed you they're ready to compete. You got to make a decision. And the decision the Kings made was not to give up assets to get a player to add to the team on the offensive side, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, surprised are you that Ilya Kovalchuk is a king? Still, you mean past Correct. the deadline? Correct. That kind of thing? No, Still not really. King. Not really. I think, um, again, he was another guy that I just I didn't feel the need to move him. I think he came here with the understanding that he was going to play for three years and that, um, you know, that – Maybe it's not going the way that you want it to, but I have not seen any indication from Kovalchuk in any way on the ice, off the ice, and anything that he said that he wants to be moved, that he doesn't understand you know, what's going on with his team, and that's not what he came here for. He's been a true professional through this entire thing. 
And so I, and you hear, I don't know when we can get into this a little bit if we want to, but maybe I do, maybe I don't like the, the weird tweets that Jesse Cohen threw out there implying that Ilya Kovalchuk thus led to Tanner Pearson not being on the Kings and ruining. I'm, I'm like, geez, this is, you know, this is some foil hat random theory about how Ilya Kovalchuk ruined the Kings. I just don't see it that way. I really don't. I've, I've enjoyed watching him play. And I think if you had Ilya Kovalchuk last year with the run that this team was going on at the beginning of the season, everyone would have been like, man, what a fantastic signing he was. You know, look yeah. how great he looks. I don't think it's him. I think everyone around him is bottoming out at the same time, and he's doing the best he can out there with everyone else. I think he's a good player on a bad team. That's that's it to me. Yep. With a obviously his coaching, the issues with the coaching. I mean, that's, I'm not even. Gonna, all, I know, I know, I've, but that's a whole other that thing. Horse to, we have, we have. I think, and you, I know you're going to agree because we've talked about this several times. That he could be part of the solution moving forward. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Again, now now if the Kings execute what we think they might be executing at the draft, his money is not going to matter anymore. Right. You've effectively erased his salary, like his salary being an issue. You've gone rid of that. You have so yeah. much cap space. Yeah. You're not going to go big game hunting at the, at free agency, right? Yeah, and, that's, and that's been said outright. Like but Blake came out after the trade. Uh, deadline and in his comments, it was pretty clear that we're going to be sellers going into the off season as well. Don't, don't be looking at the Kings to be signing any big UFAs in the summer or anything like that either. That's not their MO. Correct. Going forward. So it's, it's going to be a retool season again next season. Mm-hmm. Um, if the player wants to stay and you've seen already what kind of a professional he is, you've seen that he's trying. I mean, if you're talking about effort, don't talk to me because you're yeah. not watching the game. So right. let's, let's, let's park that right there. And I I went off on whoever it was uh, a couple episodes episodes ago where who did you think you were getting exactly when you signed right. this player? Don't talk to me about his defensive game. Don't talk to me or about you're angry that he's a minus twenty. Yeah, it's like, like no, no. You knew he, what you were doing. Okay, these guys know what they were doing. They knew what they were getting. They were getting a guy who can put the puck in the net. Period. Has he done that consistently? Well, I would argue that he hasn't had the best opportunity to mm-hmm. thus far. And when he has had the opportunity, I would say, yeah, decent amount. He scored. He's created offense. He tries things. He tries things no one else tries. And this is an eye test thing, watching, whatever. So I'm fine with Kovalchuk staying. I want him to stay on. I want him to stay next season. And I might probably want him to stay the year after to see where we go because – if everything we hear is true, by the last year of his contract, the Kings should be on the uptick mm-hmm. at the very least. So you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. That's that. Yeah. Rob Blake, I have no problem with you, my friend. Right. In not fact, yet. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, not yet. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to give him some time to actually mold this team into something. Because right now, this team is no different to me in any real significant way than what he inherited from Lombardi and, and that era. Right. I think he's just been able to do minor things here and there, but now you're seeing it with moving Muzzin and trying to move them beyond the, the roster that was the cup era roster and try to go into the next generation of what this team could be. And, and that takes time, man. That takes time. Yeah, it does. Uh, if you look at his 
body of work and I have all his transactions up right now and I'm not saying let's go through it but I watch just a few highlights sure of things he did right off the bat he signed obviously after the draft he, he we know who he drafted that year um so going right after the draft let's talk about the signing periods he signed Christian Follin Cal Peterson Darcy Kemper mm-hmm. he got Camilleri Right. Okay. Um, so that was that was a, it, it that was, was what it was. Low. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they signed. Let's see. McDermott, Ladue got an extension. So he signed a bunch of players: Mersh, Gravel, Brodzinski. He signed Forbert to a two-year deal. Brooks like, and then the season started. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jokinen from Edmonton mm-hmm. for Camilleri. For Camilleri. He signed Tory Mitchell. He, he signed Jack Campbell to two years. Um, so there was movement there. He traded Nick Dowd. Right. That I think we got Jordan Subban there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Uh, traded Jeff Sadkoff after he was a friggin' disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, traded. And again, these these are mostly minor transactions. It, I'm, I'm they're waiting. all minor. That's what <laughs> like I'm trying to say. So yeah. the, the the only major one, and it's February 2018 now. And the trade maybe I didn't like, but in retrospect understand, was Gabrick for Fanuf yeah. and Thompson. Yeah. So that's yeah. the one where you could look at it and be like, maybe get a do-over on that one. But again, the team was going into the playoffs by this time. This is mm-hmm. February. They know. They know what's happening here. We're going to make right. the playoffs. Gabrick's on and off. He's playing. He's not playing. He's not performing. Kings obviously needed a defenseman. We talked about that at that time. They get Phaneuf. Going, looking back at it, wish they didn't do that because right now Gabrick's on the LTIR and he's probably right. done. And that right. money's off the books, okay? Um, he got Tobias Reeder at the deadline for which, Kemper. Which seemed at the time like a decent move. It did. Uh, the, the theory was like, oh, Darcy Kemper, we got him. We basically... Blake basically took an asset out of nowhere and flipped right. him for a reader, a player that we felt we needed at that time. Whatever, that's that's not a move that that really moves the needle for me in any way. Yeah. Uh, resigned Fandenberg, went through the draft, got got whoever they got. Resigned Drew Doughty. Mm-hmm. So the eight year, eighty eight million. Every GM does that. Yeah. And, and, Eyes and, and by the way, there are people who say, why would you sign Doughty? Knowing where this team is going, again, this was in June. We didn't know where this team was exactly going. But even if we knew... What does you, it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. You have to sign If you sign don't him. sign Drew Doughty, then you know exactly where this team is going. Exactly. You, are, you are forsaking this team exactly. by not doing that. And at that point, now you're looking at, I got to move Kopitar too. Because what the hell's the point? Right. What the hell's the point of anything? Just go scorched earth, which we were very passionate about that you cannot do that anymore right. in the NHL. And we cited three names specifically was Dowdy, Kopitar, and Quick. Yeah. That will and and we were sounds like we're gonna be wrong on one of them. Mm-hmm. But still, Dowdy and Kopitar are gonna probably be here and not to right. mention and Dustin I would, Brown. And I would argue, I would argue that the emergence of Cal Peterson as a viable option has has made that. that made it okay for Quick to be moved. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You 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 Clearly, have an asset who can still play, and no, and, and again, it's not a guarantee he's going to get moved. But if you're going to move him, 
And one of the biggest problems that we have had with a lot of teams, not just with the Kings, is that you hold on to your assets too long. They lose value when clearly they're no longer really appreciably valuable to your team. Like, I, I mean this, I mean this in the best way possible, but with how the team is playing right now, what yeah. are you getting with Jonathan Quick that you're not going to get with Jack Campbell and Cal Peterson in the lineup? Yeah, uh, locker room presence is the only it's, thing. I mean, fine, fine. But, but, yeah, you should have enough of that. Yeah. Is that worth you potentially holding on to an asset when you could be getting a first-round pick and then some for someone like this? If anything— You have to know when you move your assets. If he ends up moving quick, you have to kind of respect that. That's a hard decision. That's a ballsy move, man. That's hard to do. Uh, you know what this player means to this franchise, what right. he's accomplished. Not many players are ever right. going to come or have come before that have done more or impacted this team like Jonathan right. Quick. How many Kings goalies do you know that were starting for a decade? You can count them on one hand. Maybe you don't even need all your fingers. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, Kings haven't had many goalies who've been the starter that long. Yeah. You know, you, Vashon. Yeah. Rudy. A little less, I would say. I mean, he's That's a guy it. whose number is going up in the rafters. Everyone knows this. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Um, moving forward, I'm going to keep this quick. Sure. Then the Pearson trade for Hagelin. Again, this is that's going into this season now. And the firing, of course, of the mm-hmm. coach. So, the, again, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> I really don't know at that point. I mean, it's like, yeah. The coach, has, we, the coach is going to go. At that point, yeah. it was writings on the wall. Coach is going to go. The hire, I hate. I'm not even mm-hmm. going to sugarcoat it. Don't like it. Might as well have just, you know, put an assistant in there or yeah. something. Or bring Marco Sturm in and just be like, dude, just here. You're going to be right. the coach. Uh, didn't like it, but... But again, at least, at least we're not committing to this guy for multiple seasons. They've clearly established that he is interim as interim can be and that there is going to be a coaching change in the summer. Yeah. I think the big difference is here that he is following Dean Lombardi. That's By the way, I don't know if you're watching the game right now, but Carolina just scored a goal that very strange. Anyway, all right. Sorry. I was saying he's following Dean Lombardi. That's mm-hmm. That's a really big problem already you're you're behind the eight ball because in dean's first three seasons he made earth-shattering moves he didn't just make moves he made really big moves traded players you love immediately like went into the tank immediately and told you this is what we're gonna do this is what we're doing and unfortunately last season kind of threw that off in any way for the in any way for blake to have a plan last season threw it off so now he's basically putting his plan in motion now and everyone's kind of upset like well why anyway the whole point of this exercise was to show you that if you look at the body of work and what he's done he's done very few things you could point at and be like i don't like that or i didn't yeah. agree with that move yeah so let him do his thing let him really dig deep i think this summer is kind of his time to make an impact the impact he wants to make to make this his team he has till September to do that now. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see it. I'll be honest with you. It's been a while since we've had this kind of feeling around this team where it's like, I don't know what this team's going to look like. Right. In a very right. short period of time. So that's my thing on him. Give him time. Let's see what he does. I will judge him. We will judge him. <laughs> oh, we will judge him. Believe me. We're not, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. If we don't like it, we don't like it. Right. But I just think it's unfair to judge him right now. Yeah. 
So real quick, um, who do you think kind of came out the best from the deadline in terms of deals? Just real fast. It's hard to not say Columbus just on sheer volume. Mm -hmm. But man, I really like that Simmons trade for Nashville. Yeah. It's That's a good one. It's just a good-looking team. They were a good-looking team anyway. Surprisingly, struggling or not playing as well as they should. Right. But you add a guy like that, they're already such a pain-in-the-ass team to play against. Yeah. I mean, you hate playing that team. Yeah. And now it's just another guy that's just going to piss you off. Yep. A big-time player, a veteran player ready to play, ready to make an impact in the playoffs. They added Boyle, too, right before that. So, God, I would hate to play them. That is a good-looking yeah. squad. That's the one that comes to mind, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, also Columbus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I applaud them for going all in. I think there's there's something to be said for that. I don't know if it's going to work out for them. We we kind of were talking back and forth that, man, that it's a, such a huge gamble because if you end up losing Panarin and Bobrovsky in the offseason, you're not getting anything for them, then you're just left with nothing in your hands. They have two picks left in the entire draft, in, and it's like a third and a seventh. Um, so you're going – full balls to the walls in this one and if it works out then great but you still got to come up against tampa bay who is about as juggernaut as juggernaut can be he's rough yeah. and and um and none of the other teams are just standing pat so i i agree with you that definitely columbus stands out i don't know how well it's all gonna meld together um i that that Vegas trade for Stone for some reason jumps out to me because especially because they're planning on signing him to an extension, it sounds like. I think yeah. that's a very shrewd move. I think Mark Stone is they a very, very – They signed him. Did they? Okay. I haven't seen the term. Sorry. Eight years, but... $9.5 million a year. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yep. Mark Stone's going to be there until he's 35 years old. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a consistent player. If you look at his advanced stats and what he's been able to do, it's it's about as impressive as you can find for a guy who's not on everyone's lips as as like a star player, truthfully. Like he just drives play like crazy, is defensively responsible. I think that's a good that's a good trade for them. They gave up a hell of a lot. They gave up you know, their, their top defensive prospect, who's about a surefire, a prospect as you can have on defense. It sounds like a and, big um, fan, fan favorite too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And I also, I also like Winnipeg's move for Kevin Hayes. I think that's a, that's mm. a subtle little sign for, that's a subtle little move for them for another guy who's a good two way player. Um, but we'll see, man. We'll see. I, it's going to be exciting. Um, so real quick before I forget, it is episode 36, my friend. Oh. Traditionally, we play a little game where I, I ask you whose episode this is. Yeah. Okay. And there are seven players that it could possibly be. Wow. That's going to be hard. Okay. So uh, you go for it. Well, first, your, the first one that comes to mind is Fuka Fuji. Because Fuka Fuji actually never wore 36 in no, a game. No, get the yes. There, that's yes. no way. I was I was I was shocked as you were, my friend, because that you is my sure? last thing. Yes, 
I think he wore it uh, as like a rookie game kind of thing. That's what we initially saw. But the one game he ended up playing, at least documented, um, he wore the number 33. Oh! Actually, he wore he, he played four games technically, dressed for four games, so and he, he wore the number 33. See. see, my last thing, the, like ingrained image in my head is 36 probably all those rookie cards and stuff we used to be into right because really if you compare the other 36s prior to that or even afterwards not very okay hold on impressive jack campbell correct crap i I was banking on getting those two for sure and there was another one last season pre-jack campbell um zadkoff no but we did talk about him briefly his name was mentioned in the last 30 minutes or so Wow. It wasn't Kemper. Mm-mm. Not a goaltender. Interesting. Not a goaltender. Yes. Wow. Why am I... Is it... Am I going to be pissed when you tell me? Maybe. Okay, I don't know. Juicy Jokinen. Oh, that's right. The juice. That's his the number. Juice that's the always juice. his number. God damn it. Oh man, I'm, this is going to be my worst outing ever. <laughs> okay, I have. There's one. a couple other ones here that I think you would get. Hold on. Thirty-six, man, that's a tough number. Like usually, I see an. This is how I usually play this game. I slightly close my eyes and I look at and I remember jerseys. That's right. Visualize and attack. I visualize an attack like the water boy. But right now, I'm not visualizing anything. I. I JS Alban? No. no. Shit. Yeah, I'm tapping out, man. This is All right. I'm sorry, All right. everyone. This is so not I, who I, I am. I will, I will name this I will is... name the more obvious ones, I suppose. And then uh so Dmitry Yushkevich in two thousand three. Of course. Of course. Yushkevich. Ah. Oh. Okay. Uh, Daniel Berthume. Oh man. Okay. I know. I knew, I, am, that, I, I knew that one was going to hurt you. I am I'm sorry, so big upset guy. at myself right now <laughs> to not know <laughs> Daniel Berthiom. That was, was going to be the ice pick on your side. I'm sorry that about is that. Just, I, I am, hate to do that to you. Okay. Um, okay. And then more recently, uh, David Vandergulik apparently in 2015 for like a, co- a handful of games, I guess, when we called him up and he played okay. for one individual game. <laughs> Not so upset good. about that one. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I'm not doing this in any particular order, by the way. This isn't uh, necessarily uh, Craig Duncanson. I have I'm, no idea who that I'm is. I'm not familiar with, with Craig Duncanson. And I saved the best for last in terms of whose episode this is, everyone. Oh, boy. This episode belongs to the one, the only, Polly Jacks. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who the f*** is Polly Jacks? <laughs> oh, Polly Jacks. Please spell that for me. <laughs> the spelling's even better than Please the name. Please tell me it's an X. Uh, it's, no, it's, uh. it's J-A-K-S. But the Pauly is spelled P-A-U-L-I. He was a Swiss goaltender who played a single game for the Kings in 94-95. Oh, my God. I just saw his oh. – Allowed, allowed uh, two goals at a .92 save percentage and is number 36 and is this episode's honorary king. Oh, my God. That is horrible. <laughs> 
That is so bad. Oh, man. I, I wish it was the Daniel Berthiome episode. I'm but, sorry. But Paul, I'm sorry. hey, Polly Jackson. <laughs> we got to we gotta honor our legends, man, lest they be forgotten by uh, the annals of history. Okay, Polly Jacks, fine. The Polly Jacks episode, ladies and gentlemen, proudly. There's one last thing I want to talk about, Vardy. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make sure you've seen this. <laughs> did okay. you see? I did. I Do you know did. what I'm talking? Okay. Did you see the John Tavares hate video <laughs> put out by a news outlet in Long Island that features six or seven fans uh, talking about how John New York Ta- Long Tavares <laughs> let them down? Yeah. So you saw that. I did. Okay. I, I, I know it's real in the sense that it exists, you know, much like you and I are real and, you know, matter and can be touched. But I can't believe that it exists okay, okay. As, a, as a gonna, real thing. You gonna, know what I mean? We're going to play it right now on the show. Okay. Oh, God. I can't. Dear John Tavares. On June 26, 2009, you became a New York Islander. You were the answer to all our prayers. For nine years, you were part of the New York Islanders, and many of those years, you were the captain. You were seen as the face of the franchise, the savior. You were the chosen one. We looked up to you. Kids looked up to you. You were not just only the Islanders' captain. You were the fans' captain, too. We thought you were a class act, but it looks like it was just all an act. Do you remember saying that you loved Long Island? Uh, I've always stayed at home, which I love it here. Do you remember saying how great players stay with their team their whole careers and how you wanted to do the same? This is uh, obviously where I, I hope to be and uh, I've always stated that. Do you remember saying how you wanted to lift a Stanley Cup here in Nassau with the Islanders? Because I do. Captain John Tavares is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. Very fortunate to be here and happy to call myself a Maple Leaf. On July 1st, you chose to go home to Toronto. You turned us all down. You hurt us all. You really just seem to care about yourself. Not all those young Islander fans whose hearts you've broken. You went from being the captain, the savior, the chosen one, to a lying traitor. Snake, pajama, pajama boy. boy. I'll never forgive you for those nine years that you systematically destroyed when you signed that Toronto Maple Leafs contract. I'm kind of happy that this happened when it did so my son didn't grow up having that heartbreak having you leave. He's too young to understand that. If you had stayed, you would have been under the best coach, Barry Trotz. You would have gone from being a good player to a great player. Your legacy as an Islander, it's tarnished forever. The team is doing a lot better without you. I guess it's like addition by subtraction. You can count your money in Toronto while we sit in first place. Guess what? We're fine. The Islanders are going to win a cup without you, with the kid who won the Calder. Got some great pieces and, and obviously lean with uh... Uh, with, with the kid who, who won the Calder Trophy this year. He has a name. His name is Matt Barzell. Goodbye, John. Thanks for leaving. Say good riddance. Say bye. On February 28th, we will chant as loud as possible, we don't need you, because we don't. And there it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is horrible. Now, in I think those aren't actually Islanders fans. I hope <laughs> they're not. Right? They can't be real. I, I I don't have I don't have enough research to say that they aren't. Truthfully, that's true. We don't. But the way the emotion on that one dude's <laughs> face and voice. I know yeah. you just heard it, guys, but pull it up and watch it because yeah, it, it, it's the the picture's worth a thousand words. Now I know the Islanders didn't commission this or whatever, but no. if if let's say it was the Kings and Kopitar left or Dowdy signed with the uh, the Leafs this summer, right? And you know KCal nine decided we're gonna, how embarrassed would you be as uh, a kid? I, I would be. It's humiliating to be this upset over a guy who gave you the best years of his career by the way who had opportunities to leave who could have demanded a trade at any point who gave it his all yeah and to come out just to get hits on your news show or whatever the hell it's so bad it is so bad like you want to boo you want to go to the arena and boo go boo we booed rob blake for like 10 years (laughs) you know what but we didn't. Hilarious. <laughs> we didn't create a sappy ass video of us. The kid who won a call that. He's got a name. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the greatest coach ever. <laughs> it's uh, so good. Anyway. Good stuff. I thought that good was that's a nice little light. Light way to, to close out the show. Yep. Kings and Hurricanes, Vardy, before we go off the air here. Kings are down 2-0 already. Kings are down 2-0. Shots. That's probably lights Sebastian out. Sebastian Ajo just, just embarrassed everyone. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay, shots are 9-3. to three. Okay. I More see. to come. More I to see, come. I see where this is headed. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, episode 36 in the books. The rest of the Pauly episodes. Polly Jacks. The rest of the episodes, um, they're probably not going to be too upbeat <laughs> forward. Or they might. I don't know. Or they yeah. might. Uh, I think at this point, Vardy, we're going to start digging into some possible draft choices and things like yeah. that and futures and, and gear up to, to what our young guys are are doing. So that's it for us, guys. Follow us on the Twitter. We love the Twitter. Visit, visit us on our website. Drop us an email. Mm-hmm. Thebannermanpod at gmail.com. We've been getting some, <laughs> some, some beauties. And, of course, shout out to our boy Mike Irwin who continuously. Uh, always. Gives us uh, the praise that our egos desire. That's right. And need, truthfully. And, and need to survive. All right. We'll see you guys next time. We love you. GKG? Question mark? You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.